Thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. We're starting the new year with a series called All of Life, Following Jesus in All Life's Seasons. Because every aspect of life brings its own unique challenges and questions. For example, how do I find time for God when I've got small children? Or how do I follow Jesus as a single person when the church always seems so concerned with marriage? What does discipleship look like when I'm older? These are just a few of the questions that we're asking, and our prayer is that there would be something for everyone in this series, and that we all will grow to appreciate one another more, no matter what season of life we're in. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, please feel free to reach out to us at tablechurchdsm.org. Today we are going to talk about the most important job in the world. It's not President of the United States. It's being a parent. Now, in the series that we are finishing today, this is the last week of the series called All of Life, and we've been looking at different aspects of life that you might find yourself in and what it means to follow Jesus in those those times of life. So we've talked about being young, young and free, 20s and 30s. Uh, We've talked about being old, the golden years. We've talked about being single, single and secure. And today's sermon is called Kid Crazy. (laughs) We're talking about raising children. And I hope that this message is helpful for anybody who has kids, young or old, anybody who wants to have kids one day, who may have kids one day, anybody who has children in their life that they care about. I hope that there is something here that you will find helpful. Now, if you are raising children, it's possible that you've heard somebody say something like this before, perhaps in a time where you're feeling kind of down and discouraged, uh, maybe about some of the choices your kids are making or something like that. Maybe you'll hear this. You know, you you can't control your kids. They have their own free will. We can't take necessarily responsibility for all their choices because they're their own free agents. And that's true. And there's maybe a little bit of freedom in that, right? Like our kids are one day going to grow to be adults and they're going to make their own choices and they're going to ultimately decide what kind of person they're going to become and we don't get to control that, parents. However, we have a tremendous amount of influence as parents. Parenting is weird because there's maybe nothing else where I can completely control the inputs but I have so little control over the outcomes. You know what I mean? Like, I can control everything that I do as a dad. I can control the environment that I create, how intentional I am, the kind of time I'm putting forth for my my kids. But at the end of the day, they will grow and they will become adults and they will make their own choices and they will choose who they're going to be. And so there's this weird dynamic with parenting where I control the inputs, but I don't control the outcomes. However, research is showing more and more that we do have a tremendous amount of influence on our children, which should be obvious. That's nothing new to any of us, right? Uh, but I want to give you some numbers, some, some data to back that up. One of the big examples of the impact of parenting has to do around the research going on in our culture around fatherlessness. The data is staggering. 64% of youth suicides, 90% of homelessness and runaway youths, 95% of children with behavioral disorders, 71% of high school dropouts, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, 75% of adolescents in substance abuse centers, are all linked to fatherlessness. One of the greatest predictors of childhood success is simply our mom and dad married and in the home. Now, 
It's important to also mention this. For a lot of parents, that's what they would like. But it hasn't worked out that way. Most parents will agree, yes, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? But it's just not how it's gone for me. And so I wouldn't want anyone to hear any sort of condemnation when I say something like that. In fact, the opposite. We're here for you as the church. That's what the church should be doing. Helping folks who, yes, this situation's not the best. What can we do to make it better, you know? That's what we're about. And so please don't hear any sort of condemnation if you're like, you know, you're a single parent. It's like, sure, I'd love it if, you know, things had worked out differently. It hasn't though. Pope John Paul may have been right. He said this, as the family goes, so goes the nation. And so what this means is that if we care about the struggles that our culture faces, if we care about people who are falling through cracks, then we must care about healthy marriages and we must care about, about nurturing parents as best we can. My point is that you can't control what your kids are going to do one day, but research sure says you can influence. And by the way, I think most of anything I say here today, moving forward, almost anything I say here, I believe it's going to apply to parents of young children and grown children. All right? I don't think it's too late. I mean, we all know this. If you're a grown-up in the room right now, your parents matter to you, don't they? They continue to have an influence over you even when, even when you're an adult. Now, I also believe that parenting is not rocket science. Yes, it's a huge responsibility. Any sane person would feel probably slightly panicked at the thought of it. But here's what I want you to hear today. You already have all the tools you need to be an incredible parent. You already have all the tools you need to be an incredible parent. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs today. And Proverbs is packed with parenting advice. We're going to jump around a little bit. Um, but I got three key takeaways as I kind of read through Proverbs and wanted to still some of the three key takeaways that I think are there for parents. The, maybe the, and the first one is this, put your faith on display, parents. Put your faith on display. Let your kids see you living a life of faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 might be the most famous passage in the whole book. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. That's an amazing verse. It's a great verse to memorize. It's even got like a rhythm, like a cadence to it in English. It wasn't written in English, but just, it sounds good. It, it works. What you might not know is that that verse is written by a parent to their child. In fact, most, most of Proverbs is written by a father to his son, King Solomon to his sons. And so when we read this verse, knowing that context, we could ask ourselves, okay, do my kids ever see me doing this? <laughs> do they ever see me leaning not on my understanding, trusting in the Lord with all my heart? When I have a bad day at work, do I come home and, I don't know, take it out on them? Or when they see me going through difficult times, do they also see me finding ways to, to lean into God more? By the way, you want to know what's convicting? Preaching a sermon on parenting when your kids are listening. <laughs> it's going to keep me honest today. And so I say that because I want you to know that the stuff that I'm going to share is equally applicable to me. I need to do this better. Even as a preacher, I need to do this better. 
It's something that requires parents to visibly practice our faith in the home. Packing your kids up in the van to go to church is great. I support that. I wish more people would do it. But that's not necessarily showing our kids all there is to show them about trusting the Lord with all our heart. That has to be done in the nooks and crannies of your life. That's the kind of thing that happens in the privacy of your home. Now, I know that many of us aren't necessarily comfortable talking about our faith and praying out loud and things like that. It's a vulnerable thing. You don't always know what to say. But let me just tell you this. Praying over our children out loud, letting them hear us, letting them see us pray, it's so, so important. It's so important. Here's the truth. Kids get excited about what they see their parents get excited about. I am excited about the Hawkeyes. And so guess what? My kids like the Hawkeyes. You know? They didn't, there wasn't ever a day where they're like, okay, which college team will be mine? They maybe someday they'll, you know, depart from the, the light side and what, go to the Iowa State side. I don't know what they'll do, but <laughs> go to the dark side. But right now, they're Hawkeye fans. It's just, it just happened. Kids get excited about the things they see their parents get excited about. And so let your kids see you get excited about God. Let them realize that this is something really important to you, that it matters to you, that you love God, that you trust God. And there can be times where things are difficult, and you can be vulnerable with your kids and say, look, I had a really tough day. There's something going on at work that's really hard, but you know what, guys? Let's pray about it. Would you pray about this for me? Would you pray for me and with me about this? Can we trust the Lord? And then we're going to see what God's going to do together. Shall we do that? That's incredible for your kids. Now, personally, I don't have a problem praying out loud. I do it all the time. It's not a struggle for me. But you know what it is? Praying boring prayers. Like, I'll just follow the usual script, dinner time or bedtime, and I'm like, no, I need to learn to actually pray my heart over my children, to help them to know what's going on in here, to invite them into my life with God so that they can see that I, I get excited about God too. There was an example of this earlier this month. It was January 15th. It was one of those really, really cold days. Um, high of three below or something. Wind chill of 27 below or something like that. And uh, I was driving to work. It was a Monday morning. I was driving to work. And uh, the week prior, my wife had been out of town with Immigrant Connection. And um, that was the week we had all the snow days, which meant that, like, my kids were home all week. Natalie was out of town. I got no work done that week, like nothing. And so I'm feeling the stress and the pressure. I'm like, I got to get into the office. I got to get dug out. I got to get caught up. And I'm driving, and I see a family walking on the street, literally on the street, because there's no room on the sidewalk because of the snow. They're walking down MLK. A mama and two little kids. The youngest is probably three years old. On that day when it's like freezing. Mama's got no gloves on, by the way. And I don't know if it was the Lord or just like basic human decency, but I was like, I got to give these people a ride wherever they're going. And so I pull in. There's like a Burger King on the corner of Hickman and MLK. And I pull into the auto parts store right next to it. They're walking in front of the Burger King. And I get out of the van. And I'm like, hey, they don't speak English. I'm like, would you like a ride? Get in my van, you know. <laughs> And they're probably creeped out a little bit, but 
they did. I hope that she didn't feel forced, but they got in and uh, she hands me a piece of paper and it's got a uh, address for the U.S. Committee for Refugee and Immigrants. It's on University Avenue in the same building as Primary Healthcare. About a mile and a half away, I think, is my guess. They were planning the walk that whole way on the road in the cold. I mean, you can't be outside for 10 minutes in this kind of weather, you know? And so I drove her there and drop them off, get them where they were going, drop them off, and I, and I turn around and I leave. And she's, her, I wanted to like give her my cell phone. She showed me her phone. It was smashed, broken, didn't work. They don't speak any English. We're like using Google Translate. But I get her to where she needed to be. And, um, and as I drive away, I, something in my heart said, you need to call that place. And I wasn't even sure why. You need to call them. I thought maybe I'll just give them my cell phone number and say, hey, I just dropped a family off at your, at your place. If they need anything, call me. So I call the U.S. Committee for Refugee and Immigrants and find out that they're closed that day because it's MLK Day. And I'm like, oh no, I just left them high and dry. <laughs> and so I turn around and I go back and I find them standing outside. I'm like, get, please get back in the van. And I take them to where they need to be then. And, and, at, and that night at dinner, I'm just like, you know what, guys, I think, I think God spoke to me today. Like, I think I actually heard the voice of God prompt me today. And I told them the whole story and we, now we can pray for that family, you know, and But this is what we need to be doing. I need to be doing more of. How is God working in my life and how can I bring my kids into that? We gotta put our faith on display. We gotta get excited about God. Guys, I think God spoke to me today. You wanna hear the story? Get excited about what God's doing in your life. And if God's not doing anything in your life, you know what? You could admit that too. Hey, kids, you know what I've been feeling like lately? I think, I need, I think we need to lean into prayer more as a family. Do you, you guys down with that? Should we pray together more? <laughs> I bet your kids would be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Get excited about God. Let your kids see you pray and worship and love God and read the Bible. Now, something that I think would be amazing, here at Table Church, we have Kids Club every other Wednesday. We have Kids Club at our ministry center, and Kids Club is all about teaching our kids the faith, discipling, discipling our kids in the faith. And uh, so, like, they've learned about the Trinity. They've memorized the books of the Bible. Like, adults, let's be honest, how many of us got all 66 books of the Bible down? I'm not going to lie. I don't got the Minor Prophets. I know the first one's Daniel, and then I'm all messed up after that, all right? I got two <laughs> master's degrees in theology. <laughs> so if you don't have them down... You're not alone. But here's what I think would be cool. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, some of the stuff they're learning at Kids Club, I don't, I don't think I've ever been taught that. Well, you should come. Come sit with your kid. Do the craft. Do the lesson. Do the worship with them. Show them this matters to you. Learn alongside them. It doesn't have to be every week, but maybe every now and then. I think that would be awesome. So we've got to put our faith on display before our kids. Second, know what you're about. Know what you're about. What do you stand for in life? As a parent, you've got to know what direction you're heading in order to lead your kids there too. Now, you don't want to be so rigid that it's like handing your kids a straitjacket. That's not good either. But I believe it is our responsibility to have a strong foundation in Christ. 
that we impart to our children. You don't have to have everything figured out. In fact, there's something really wonderful about, I think, our kids seeing us grow, seeing us develop in our faith, learn new things. I think that's wonderful. But for too many parents, the foundation is very squishy. (laughs) We're not clear about what we're about, let alone our kids. Here's what Proverbs says. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. What kind of garland, what kind of necklace are we giving to our kids, parents? Have you searched for wisdom and truth? Wisdom's a big theme throughout Proverbs. In fact, the writer of Proverbs kind of anthropomorphizes uh, wisdom. It's like wisdom's this woman and we're supposed to discern what wisdom is. Pursue wisdom. So what kind of things are we passing on? Are we handing our children? If you're directionless, don't be surprised if your children are as well. Now, here's one of the incredible and slightly terrifying things about being a parent. Your spiritual health isn't just yours. Your spiritual health isn't just yours anymore. Especially when they're young. It's hard to imagine kids growing in Christ when the parents aren't growing in Christ. Of course, it can happen. But in a real real way, your spiritual health isn't just yours anymore. I once heard somebody say this. I I mean, I don't have like research to back this up or anything, but it rings true with me. Here's what they said. How the parents view the church is how the children will view God. How the parents view the church is how the children will view God. And so I think what it means is if church... Let's not even say church. Let's say like corporate worship. If like worship of Almighty God, (laughs) if that's an afterthought that's like, well, when we're not too busy, maybe we'll do it. If that's what it is for you, it's just, yeah, I do that when it's convenient. We shouldn't be too surprised if when our kids get older, God becomes an afterthought as well. And it's not because going to church equals healthy spirituality. It doesn't. It's because going to church and engaging in worship and engaging with the community and serving, those are some, some of the most concrete ways that you can express your love for Jesus in front of your kids. Now, one big question that I'm always trying to answer as a preacher, I'm always trying to answer the question of how, how does somebody move from being like a nominal Christian to a passionate Christian? Somebody who's just like, it's in my head, I kind of go through the motions, it's you know, it's there, it's just kind of a little part of my life, to somebody who's like, no, this is the most important thing in my life. That's an immense chasm. And what, and what happens in somebody's heart? What gets them to cross that? You know? What, what is it? There's one thinker that I've grown to really love. His name is Zorn Kierkegaard. He's a 19th century Danish philosopher. Kierkegaard asks that same question a lot. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, a leap of faith, a leap of faith. You've probably heard somebody say that. A lot of times we use that phrase like, I don't know, when um, I'm going to start a business, I'm going to take a leap of faith, you know. It's like this idea that we kind of got this gut feeling that this is the thing to do. Or in more, you know, churchy circles we, we say, well, God's going God's gonna to take care of us. Let's just take a leap of faith. And what it becomes sometimes, it's just like you're making a decision without any concrete evidence, is what it becomes. And so when it comes to our faith, just taking a leap of faith, sometimes people talk about it, but they mean like, yeah, do it without ever actually knowing if it's true or not. 
So that's not what Kierkegaard means when he talks about a leap. By the way, the phrase a leap of faith comes from Kierkegaard. That's why we say it. He's the guy that came up with, he didn't say that exact phrase, but he talks about the leap all the time. It's a major theme in his writings. The leap has to do with faith. And so Kierkegaard talks about this leap and it's kind of caught on in our culture as something we say, but we don't use it the same way he did. He's not talking about a blind leap. He was very much in favor of evidence. But Kierkegaard also saw that all the evidence in the world is not enough to mean that you will actually live as a Christian. Think about the disciples. They had Jesus performing miracles in front of their noses. And they didn't all follow Jesus with their whole lives. Some of them denied Jesus. Some of them betrayed Jesus. John chapter 6, many of them leave Jesus when his teachings get tough. His followers do. You can have all the evidence in the world, but that doesn't get you to this spot right here. There's still an enormous chasm between thought and existence. Kierkegaard's called the father of existentialism. He was really interested in how we actually exist as people, not just with how we think, but with how we live in the world. And he saw as much as anybody that there's a huge difference between just thinking something and existing as though it's true. And so how do you get across the chasm? You got a leap, he said. You got to leap. You might have all the information, all the evidence you need, but you haven't used that one thing yet, your will. You haven't made the choice. You haven't made an act of the will and taken that step yet. And when it comes right down to it, you got to decide. <laughs> you just got to choose it. You got to take the leap. It's not a blind leap. It's a leap from thought into existence. Listen, if you're a parent, you got to make that choice. You, get, you know, might be a nominal Christian. It's all in your head. It's time to decide. Your spiritual, faith, your spiritual health is not your own anymore. It's time to make the leap. It's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to mess around anymore. If I actually think this stuff is true, I've got to live like it's true. I gotta trust in the Lord with all my heart. I gotta lean not on my own understanding. I gotta show my kids that this is what matters to me. Kierkegaard also talks about faith in the, in the sense he, he believes it's this steep uphill climb that we, that we take throughout our entire lives. Faith's not just a moment, it's not just a quick thing. It's a climb of like a mountain that we will engage in throughout our whole lives. And... Um, in fact, I, I like that because I wish that we'd start using the word climb more. Like instead of the word faith, we can say, hey, how's your climb? You know, like you're at table group. Hey, how's your climb? Oh, you know, it's honestly really difficult right now. I'm kind of stuck in a snowdrift, I think. Okay, well, what can we do together? Or I mean, maybe you'll say, honestly, I think I'm in the same place I was at when I was 12. All right, how, do you, how can I help you continue the climb? You know, I, it's beautiful up here. Every, every day when I climb higher, I get a better view. And then as parents, it's about gently encouraging our kids up that mountain. The leap is when we, is when we actually leave base camp and we're saying, okay, I'm gonna make this my life. I won't see the entire view until I die, you know? Like, it's a, he, Kierkegaard also talk, talked a lot about the task. That was a big theme in his writings, the task of a lifetime. That's what faith is. It's our task for an entire life. 
Christians in this room right now, we are together climbing this mountain of faith, encouraging one another on, spurring one another on. Sometimes you'll get stuck, sometimes you'll slide back a little bit, but together we are pushing on. That's what faith is. And as a parent, it's like, hey, kids, it's beautiful up here. I want you to see this, come on, let's go. I wanna show you what it's like. Someday they may not choose to continue the climb, but I want to show them how beautiful the view is from where I'm at. The third thing is this, know your words are powerful. Know your words are powerful. Proverbs was written because a parent knew his words were powerful. He wants to impart wisdom and understanding to his children. So parents, do you know how incredibly powerful your words are? Here's what he writes, Proverbs 4, 1 through 4. says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son of my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Here's the reality for many young people today. There's a psychologist who's alarmed at the, um, the increase in mental health challenges among young people today. In the last 13 years alone, there's been a 145% increase among girls in anxiety and depression, 165% increase among boys in anxiety and depression. Now, there's more girls that suffer from it, and so it's a smaller increase, but more numbers, more girls, and yet the, the percentage is higher for boys. And so either way you slice it, it's concerning. And so what's happening? I want to give you a real, couple real easy things that would help. One is don't be on TikTok. <laughs> That's like an assault on your emotional stability. The other one is parents speaking words of affirmation into our kids' lives. And so I want to get really concrete at the end of this sermon here. And I'm going to give you five things that you should say to your kids. I didn't come up with this. This is something that there's research behind. But here's five things that you should say to your kids. Every parent should be saying to their kids, if you want to write this down, it's not a horrible idea. But it's this. Number one, I love you. That one seems more or less obvious. I love you. But can I just say this? Every parent should say this to every child. Sometimes... Dads, it's a little tougher for us. Sometimes we don't say this as much. And so I'm going to specifically challenge dads to say to their sons, I love you. Number two, I'm proud of you. Tell your kids that you're proud of them. Find opportunities to affirm them rather than disparage them. Help them to know that in their heart of hearts at the end of the day, you are so proud of them. Number three, I'm here for you. We want our children to know that when things get difficult in life, that we're, we're somebody they want to come to. And what better way to do it than to literally just tell them, <laughs> I'm here for you. Don't assume that they'll just figure it out. Number four, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Brag on your kids. And number five, thank you. Thank you for being you. Hey, you know, I think you're really cool. Thank you for being you. Thank your children. 
So those are five things that you can say to your kids starting today that I think will make a huge impact in their lives. Your words are powerful, moms and dads, and anybody here who's raising kids, who loves kids, who's got kids in their life. Take these words and use them. Let's pray. God, today I pray that something I've said has been encouraging, something can be taken and applied. I know that there's always danger for the enemy to come in and twist things to say, oh, you're a, you're a lousy parent. You're not doing any of that stuff. Or it's too late for you. You didn't do that stuff when you had the chance. And so we silence the voice of the enemy right now and we declare, Lord Jesus, that you are greater, that you're our master. And Lord, maybe, maybe we do wish, well, yeah, 10 years ago, I wish I would have known this or thought of this or done this. I don't think it's ever too late. And Lord, I believe that you're a God of redemption. And so that's why when it comes to any sort of rules or principles or plug this in and you'll get this, it's not true because no matter how bad I screw things up, Lord, you can bring redemption out of it. The same goes for my parenting. And so we just surrender our children to you and you're the one who, who loves them more than we could possibly imagine. We recognize ourselves as stewards of these children for a period of time. And we just ask for wisdom and grace and sustenance as we do that. Lord, once again, I want to pray a hand, your hand of love and of protection, of joy and peace over all the children of Table Church. Cover them, Lord. May they grow to be a kingdom force. May they grow to show the world, tell the world who you are. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.